My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And it's not just Judd's Hockey Show. It's the Wednesday edition, the extravaganza of JHS, which means it's Judd, it's Declan, it's Jesse Pierce, Bar Down Beauties. Of course, also uh, covers the wild on a daily basis for her friends at NHL.com. And before we start, plenty to get to. Coming off a 3-2 loss to Carolina last night for the Wild. Want to talk about our friends, and I say are because Jesse also friends with them. Livia Weight Control Centers, which a couple of years ago helped me drop 40 pounds and is a program that absolutely works. Jesse, you're, you're down approximately 40 now as well. Talk Close about your journey. Talk about your journey through what is not... But it's not just a weight loss program, but truly a positive lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle change. I mean, it certainly has changed my lifestyle dramatically, but for the better. I don't need to be housing pizzas. I don't need to probably eat as many glizzies as I have in the press box, although once in a while I still dabble. Uh, no, Livia has been tremendous. It's the accountability, those one-on-one support sessions, and all the resources that they have. I have so much more energy. Drinking water apparently helps. Like I feel like we're glorified plants, and we forget about that. But Livia truly reminded me, right? Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have their new Liv- Livia Medical, which is a GLP-1 medication that I just started a week and a half ago to help break through some of those biological barriers, accelerate the weight loss process, and get me to my goal weight sooner rather than later. And that's awesome. Uh, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-Livia.com. And if you join now, after all that, if you're not, if you're still thinking, yeah, but I don't know, first three months are free. What more could you want? Three months for free. Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, Enjoyable game. I want to be very clear about how I talk about last night's game because it was a fun game. I thought that the Wild actually, I had no problem with effort. There was no problem there. They lose 3-2 to a team that flat out had more depth and at the end of the day is a better team. How much, uh, Jesse, we'll start with you. How much did you think that game was sort of a reflection of if you make the playoffs? Because it was a good game. Like, it was high intensity for this time of year, for sure. How much did you feel that was a reflection of what the playoffs are going to be like, potentially? Starting with the fact that although they played well and had, like, a combined 12 or 16 shots, that first line of Ek, Kaprizov, and Boldy was held to zero points. Zero points, but enough shots, right? I mean, credit to Carolina's defense, who just absolutely bottlenecked them. I think Brady Shea and Brett Pesci were the two defensemen that really shut them down. And and you're right, Judd, Carolina's good. They hadn't wa- lost two in a row since, like, the end of December, and they were coming in with the two straight losses, so you knew that wasn't going to happen. Great goaltending as well. You're right. I wasn't disappointed necessarily in a lot of it, but, yeah, I don't think Minnesota could withstand seeing that over the course of a playoff series, right? I don't think they could come back in a night or two and and do it all over again. I think eventually Carolina is going to get more than the fluky bounces or whatever opposing team that would be, because it was, there were some fluky bounces that led to those goals. I mean, off of a dude's face, like you don't see that very often. And again, it's, it's a credit to and testament to how Minnesota played, but I don't think they can withstand that type of pressure against them. So it makes you wonder again, what are you doing, Minnesota? Like, what are we doing here? Where are we at? Uh, Why are we still doing this roundabout of, are we making the playoffs? And I've been uh, trying to, I'm trying to been going in the classic hockey cliche answer of game by game, day by day. What's the other ones, Jesse? One thing at a time, one shift at a time. Yeah. Trying to think of other one good shift. hockey cliches we get in the locker room from from all the ones uh, that we talk to. But with them having just a top line heaviness, and in the first period, it looked like Gus was going to be on his A game. But then the second period, in, in general, the Wild just had played a really bad second period. And that's really kind of doomed them. They got just basically ran out of real estate to try to win that game. 
I'm trying. I'm not trying to get completely panicked, and I'm not also trying to get like way too high on this team because I do think in the last week or two they have actually shown life and they look like, hey, maybe there's something here. But to Jesse's credit, I'm definitely not going to be completely buying in and and saying, well, what are you doing here? I guess in the positive or the negative way because I love this top line. And yes, there's going to be nights like last night where that top line will be shut down because that's hockey. But basically, can a top line and really good goaltending carry you? I don't know. That's that's kind of the conundrum the Wild find themselves in as the trade deadline approaches. And not in the playoffs, they can't. Like no. you're 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 going to have. I mean, you can't have one line. And then the problem is, John Hines would then inevitably split up that top line and put Zuccarello probably back with Kaprizov, and then they would go start to pass back and forth, back and forth. And Boldy would be off that line. I just think it's an impossible thing. Uh, before we get to potential moves here and what what's next, Jesse, can you help me out with this? And we, we talked about this in the press box last night. But on the show, help me out with the fact that they decided to put Goudreau on what is their second line. Zuccarello deserves to be on the second line. I get that. But they took Hartman and put him down on the third or fourth line, which has become confusing. Johansson stayed on the second line. And then more importantly, until the third period when they changed it for a while, Rossi was a bottom six guy instead of playing on the second line with Zuccarello, which to me would have made more sense than Freddie. Can you help me? Because this concerns me from a John Hines point of view, because I have one simple question. What are you thinking? Yeah. Like, what do we think he was thinking? I mean, pour one out for Zuki on that line. Like, that could not have been fun for a guy who's no. as good of a passer as he is to have Fred Goudreau and, and Marcus Johansson, your lineies, to try to make something happen. That was a, a tough go. Um, you know, I think the reason Marco Rossi found himself with Lucini and Letary, John Hines has loved that trio. He has credited them in game after game, and he loves what they do. Um, I tried to get John Hines' explanation for what he his vision is for Freddie, what he needs to do to get him going. I think the move to put Frederick Rideau as a center on that line was, I'm sure, the hope to get him going. He hasn't been a center for quite some time. I think Hines said it had been like 18 games since Freddie had been at center, and I think he's a better centerman than he is a winger, which isn't saying a heck of a whole lot because at this point I'm kind of done with Freddie Goudreau. I'm done with playing Freddie Goudreau, putting him on the ice to play hockey. I think he needs to take a seat in the press box. That's neither here nor there. Um, but I think Hines is probably kind of at that point too. Like, what do we do to get these guys going? You saw Marcus Johansson have a really good game a couple nights ago. And again, you saw a lot of the same lackluster against Carolina last night. Those two players, you don't want them on the same line right now. I don't even want them on the ice because they're just frustrating to watch, right? That's aggressive. I know it's probably I like it, Jess. I like it. But like, it's kind of true. It's just so frustrating to watch them night in and night out. I I think Freddie tries hard, and I I do love that. I appreciate that. Marcus, meh, a little less once in a while. But I don't think that was necessarily, again, all of it. All of that long-windedness to say, I don't think it was a knock on Marco Rossi. I truly believe John Hines believes that Rossi, Lucini, and Letary are a line he really likes. And I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, they're a young line, a a quick line. Um, And I I just, I don't know. Ryan Hartman, I like on the fourth, though. We've talked about that at length. I know, Dex, you've been a fan of Hartsey being a fourth liner all season. And you can't have a guy, like Marco Rossi is on pace for a 24-goal season. All right, so he's 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 finally blossomed into a player that a lot of fans hoped he could be. He's got offense to his game, uh, fourteen or fifteen even strength goals. He's got offense to his game, and I don't. John Hines, I know I haven't really met John. I haven't even been in the same room as John. What the hell are you doing? What what are you putting a guy like that with 
Lucini and Lati- like you need to be maximizing that guy. You do that by putting with Matt Zuccarello, who's one of your best playmakers. Might not be, he might be on the downside. He might not be the same guy he was at the peak of his powers. But you need to maximize Marco Rossi, and that be by that would you would do that by playing him with Matt Zuccarello. I don't care if you like that line. You need to put that asset. We talk about asset management. That asset with another good asset, and Matt Zuccarello. That's what you do. I just fix your second line for you, John Hines. Come on. Well, and you also could argue that if he likes that line with Rossi so much that Demote Johansson, too, put Rossi and move a wing up with Zucchi, who would have a better chance. Like, I, I agree with you, Jesse. If I'm Zuccarello, when I saw those line combinations, don't you go in and say, okay, you know, I love Freddie. Freddie's a great guy. I mean, Freddie seems to be a great guy, so this is not a knock on Freddie. I do think he tries this really hard. Like, I think he works his ass off. Um but don't you say, what are you doing to me here? Like, I need playmakers here. I need to be with guys who are skilled. I mean, if nothing else, Zuccarello could make a case that he's a playmaker himself. Give me skilled guys because, I, because you know, I pass too much. Like, if you're a match, you probably should say, I pass too much, and I know that. But, damn, give me people that can bury the puck. Yeah, someone that can be that net front presence. Put Ryan Hartman up there so he can be in front of the net and yeah, bank away somebody. a rebound. But, yeah, you don't see Johansson or – or Freddie being either of those guys. So I just, I don't know. Again, I tried to get Heinz to give some sort of explanation as to what he needs from Freddie. And he was very committed thinking that Freddie's, nope, he's playing well. I think he's playing fine. Yada, yada, coach speak. And I'm just like, huh, interesting. And it's not, you know what, what's funny about that is it's not a question of he's playing fine. Like, cause I do believe now, now Johansson, I would make a case does not try not nearly mm-hmm. enough. He had a gorgeous rush last night because the dude can flat out skate. And I about fell out of the press box because I'm like, that's the first time I've seen him try that that hard in weeks. Um, the Goudreaux's and Hartman's, I don't have a problem with what they, you know, Hartman takes dumb penalties times, but I don't have a problem with them. I have a problem with where they're being slotted. So there's 23 games left. Trade deadline is a week from Friday, March 8th. Again, 23 games left. Now, the Western Conference in the race for the wildcard spots is jumbled as hell. The Kings lost last night to the Flames. They have 68 points. They have two games at hand on Nashville, which is on a six-game win streak, 68 points. Those are your two wildcard teams, okay? Calgary, because they beat the Kings, which wants to dump, leapfrogged the Wild and St. Louis with 63 points. St. Louis lost. Minnesota lost. They're at 62 points, and one point behind them is the Kraken. All right, we have a week before the deadline. What are you doing if you're Bill Guerin? There were certainly plenty of scouts there last night. Like, everyone's starting to look around and see. And quite frankly, there you know, it's not like a league full of sellers because of how jumbled things mm-hmm. are. You've got your bad teams, but after that, you've got to make a decision. Like, it sounds like Calgary wants to dump. They already started. They might be a playoff team. So, given the delicate nature of the situation that we currently see, what do you do? I think you stay committed to selling. I know it's it's easy to say, oh, but we could make a playoff push, and that's what worries me. It scares the hell out of me that Bill Guerin <laughs> still sees that glimmer, and so he's going to say, you know what? There's enough to trade, but get some rentals. Get somebody that'll get us over that hump, right? Like, I think 
he still gets that. And I do. I get it. Billy, I empathize with the decision. I empathize with I wanting to make the playoffs. I know you want to be competitive. I'm at the point, and I think the biggest tell will be when you head into Nashville um, tomorrow on Thursday, right? Because if you lose that game, you are done. Because right now, even as good as the Minnesota Wild have been playing, they haven't been able to make up enough ground that they lost throughout this losing streak and the inconsistent year that they've had. So it doesn't matter if you flat out play and you win all these games, there's still a very significant chance you're not going to get into the playoffs. And then what good does that do you? You're sitting on the outside with a terrible draft position as well. You might as well commit to the sell and say, you know what? We're going to get rid of, unload some of these guys. We're going to start playing the younger guys. Marat's going to come over here from the KHL, and we're going to slot him in. We're going to see Declan Chisholm start to do more of what he can do. Um, You know, there are ways to still make it a positive season without making the playoffs. So I think, Billy, you got to commit to just saying, hey, we're going to sit this round out again. Put it in gear, put it in neutral, and, and ride the wave and do everything you can to build up for next year. I mean, you look at some of the things that players are projected to go for. I saw a report today that, you know, we we joked that Matt Dumba, like, could the Wild be back in? They're saying Matt Dumba's going to cost a first-round pick. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's a right-shot defenseman playing 20 minutes a night on a bad Arizona team. He's a coveted position. I get all that. The Wild are in no position to be paying a premium for that, right? So this is, again, asset management. I, I The Wild have to figure out a way to make themselves better without completely nuking it because they're not going to completely nuke it, and then still give opportunities. I like Jess's point of getting a great name in Declan Chisholm, more opportunities, right? You may as well start to maximize his ice time. And look, if you want to swap out some assets, swap out assets that are similar, like maybe maybe Brandon Duhame does get you like a a legit, you know, second round pick or something, and I think you should probably pull the trigger on that trade. But if you want to swap assets, like you have this middling piece that you've seen enough from, and you want to move on from it. Marcus Johansson, for example. I think he has a full no trade clause, but for the sake of the argument, if you want to acquire someone else who's middling on another team that maybe there's something that could be sparked there in a new situation, I'm actually for that. I think that could actually make some sense. But mostly, I align with Jess. You need to start selling here. you got a trade deadline that's a week away. Don't get suckered in to be paying you know, top dollar. You're booking the last-minute airline plane ticket. Like, no, no, no. You've had this plane ticket booked for a long time. Stay the course. Do not go buy a first-class seat. This is easy decision, Billy. Don't screw this up. Dewar and Duhame to me are eminently tradable because you've got these veterans who you should. I mean, this is this is the problem. This should be the deadline at which your Goudreau gets traded and a Hartman, Felino. I think you probably keep, but I mean, this this was the deadline at which of uh, you know the greatest guy to trade in my opinion was still Zuccarello. Because he could help a contender. Like, he'd be great with a contender. Unfortunately, you can't. Because they all have protection unless they waive their no trade. Which, as Jess and I talked about post-game last night, I think a lot of guys would be like, oh, my wife and kids really like it here. We're probably not going to waive that no trade. I mean, Alex Goligoski doesn't play anymore. They've begged him. I, I don't know what you get for the goose, but they begged <laughs> him to go. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I got that no trade, no move. But, so, Dewar and Duhame can be traded. But... The other thing, too, is I don't want to see, well, two things. One is I, I want to at least match, if not beat, Calgary to the punch. Now, Calgary's got guys, I think, on expiring contracts. So they're where you should be. Unfortunately, you're not because of, of, of Billy's insistence or willingness to hand out contracts with no trade clauses. 
But you got to beat Calgary to the punch because Calgary's like, we're bailing. And then you're like, well, we're not. Come on. The second thing is, if you're going to make a run, do it with the kids. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if you did this with the kids, like, let's say you keep, you stay alive, but you're playing, but you're playing, you know, to your point, Declan Chisholm, you're playing uh, Marat, Kustatinov, right? I'm so bad at saying his last name. I'm going to admit that's why I call him a rock because I know I can do that. Like, I always want to say Kuznetsov, but I know that's no, obviously Kuz- wrong. I think well, I know, but that's no, why I but say No, but I think Marat. it's Kuznetsov. But anyway, let's say he comes here, which he very well might. Play him. That's awesome. And if those guys play well, even more cool. But, you know, what I'm not go- going to do is what Declan just said and, Jesse, what, what you alluded to, which is, well, let's just get this veteran piece to try and get in. <laughs> This is such a golden opportunity to build up for two years from now. And quite frankly, for next year to set the table for the kids to play. Like you've got this right in front of you. And, and Jesse, I love your point. It's a thousand percent, right? You have had, since John Hines came, you've had one terrible stretch, but like you've had two really good stretches and you're still six points out. Right. You know, like, what do you, that that's the thing about falling behind by so much at some point, it's sort of just, gives you your destiny for the season, right? And so with as well as you played and all these road games you've won, you're still six points out. I mean, you lost to an Eastern Conference team last night, and it partially buries you. Yeah. I think that's God telling you this is not your season. <laughs> and, you know, it's admirable. You want to find the penny and say, yep, this this will be okay. Like, it's admirable what they have done, and I think there has been a turnaround, and, and that's great. And I think maybe that could suffice enough to say we're missing the playoffs. But, you know, we didn't just give up. We did try to do this. But you're right. I mean, it's every game you have to win at this point. As much as Minnesota needs to control what they can control, and they have been doing that for the most part by getting these victories in this past week and a half or whatever it was, um, there's still things that are out of their control. And that's St. Louis winning, Nashville winning their games. You know, it's all these other teams, and you can't do anything about it. So it's like... Do you want to really sit here and try hard and still tell yourself you're going to make the playoffs? Or do you want to be realistic and be like, you know what? That's all right. It's we, we gave it our all. We did try. We gave, you know, that final push. But again, you fall in Nashville tomorrow. I honestly don't think you can make up the number, the points that you're going to need because you're just going to fall down again in contention. And it's, and that's okay. It's okay. We've been saying that since the beginning of the year. Like it's freaking okay to not make the playoffs for a year. Yes. It's not some type of indictment. Yeah, right, the, the and that's what Judd and, Judd and I criticized those contracts at the uh, beginning of the season, end of last summer of this seems like a bad bet to make, especially if things don't go according to plan, which the first half of the season obviously did not go according to plan of what they thought they could be. And now you're kind of stuck where you can still sell off some Connor Dewars and some Brandon Duhames. And yeah, maybe you can swap out some other weird assets like I talked about. But you have you put yourself in a real interesting hole by basically giving extensions and no move clauses. The extensions were one thing. Why are we, as as yeah. Judd loves to point out, why are we handing out these no movement clauses? Like you know, they're they're juice boxes. I don't understand it. There there's there's got to be a there's got to be a better way to go about contract negotiations without giving up no move clauses. What do you guys do with um, if if indeed they they do let's say uh, uh, go down Jesse's path. Let's say lose uh, to the Predators on Thursday. So now you're eight points back. What do you guys do? about the goaltending. Do you go back to flower and ask him, you know, do do you, and I think it's dried up a little bit. Like Carolina looks good in goal. Now they did, you know, they, they had real concerns a month ago. Devil still 
and I think the Devils would like to get a big fish. Um, and Are they talking it, about Markstrom? There's a chance that Calgary, yes, they, they definitely talked about him, and there was some type of hang-up there. Um, up until the last couple days, because they've gotten so hot, Saros had been supposedly, because the Predators have that really good, what, Askov goaltender mm-hmm. in the American Hockey League. The Predators had been talking about trading Saros, I guess a couple of days ago or yesterday, they said we're not going to. But, I mean, the Wild have two goaltenders, one who is a veteran, who who you could definitely ask, but he has full protection, and Gustafson. Do you at least shop one of those two? Because if you shop Gus, I think the Devils, I think if the Devils can't get an upgrade significant one, I think they bite. I think they definitely bite. And that intrigues me because to go back to what Declan's talked about for a thousand years, goaltenders are running backs. They're not... They're not this sacred, unless you've got one, you know, one of the great ones. They're not this sacred commodity. The more I, the more I watch Gus, and, and just you said the same thing to me in the press box last night. The more you're like, he is really just a guy. I mean, he makes some good saves. He's not a bad player, but he's really just a guy. I had mentioned to you, I, I finally have maybe come around to the vision that you had brought up a couple weeks ago on the potential of trading Gus. Um, it's his inconsistency this year is the most frustrating, right? Like you look at last year and we were all, you know, in awe and he gets the three-year extension. Everyone's like, eh, is there going to be a slump? My expectations were for him were kind of mediocre. I didn't think that he was going to be this amazing goal. We all knew that it's just buying time for Jesper Velstead to come up and, and do that. But, you know, in talking with you, Judd, I had mentioned, I don't think Gus is a number one, and he was supposed to be the number one. So that makes this year a very big disappointment in my eyes with that inconsistency. He has let in some soft, soft goals, and he's kind of lost that cool as a cucumber attitude that he had last year. Like in some of the postgame, you're kind of like, ah, we're starting to see a little tweakiness here. We're starting to see a little goalie, if you will. Um, So that kind of concerns me as well. And Marc-Andre Fleury in Gus's absence, whether it's been injury or whether he gets yanked, has played well. But it's also kind of a feel for Fleury because – he wasn't expected to play this many games. He was going to come in and play 30%, right? And I think watching Gus perform kind of very meh, I don't want to say bad because there have been those really good games against Edmonton, against Carolina. Um, he's performed some of his some of his best, but it's just it's such a bad lack of consistency that, yeah, I don't want that around much longer. I would trust Flower in net almost more. I would almost say he's a one over – uh, over Gus at this point. So I think if you can trade him and get something for him, my concern is that means that you pull up Jesper a little too early though, too, right? Like, I don't, I still don't know if I'm ready to have him come in, but if that, I guess that counters my play the young guys mentality. I just had a little bit ago. So I don't know. Yeah. I, with, with flower and look the, what I think I keep forgetting about, cause I, I'm under the impression regardless, he's probably going to stay here, but then you also remember the playoff streak that he has, where he's been in the playoffs, right? Every single year. I believe of his career at least or 17 straight. I don't know if it's rookie every year, year. every yeah. year of his career. So if so. he, and that's a, that's also a streak that he's like super proud of. So, sure. and you know, it, that's not a defining. Like if he doesn't make the playoffs in 2024, no one's going to judge Mark Andre flower any different uh, than, than he has been before. But is that something he wants to do? Because if that's the case, and then we like, Mark Andre, we're gonna have to trade you. Like, if you want to keep that going, we'll honor that request and we'll give you to where you need to go. It ain't happening here, but it's buddy. not happening here, pal. Um, and with Gus and teams are always trying to buy goaltenders and fix goaltending problems. You know, you pluck a Devin Dubnik onto the wild and all of a sudden something clicks. The wild did that with Briz Goloff and other players for, for a long time too. 
I can see a Gus trade happening, but I also see them probably keeping Gus, letting him be the 1A, and then you call up Wallstead maybe this year, but also obviously for next year, and then that, there's your tandem. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised unless they got blown away for an offer for Gustafson that he'd be moved by next week's next week's deadline. I do agree. You you would have to get something good, but I'd shop him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if I you know I can find a veteran for next year, I'm confident I can. And just now, it's just like this is the time when teams are panicked. All right, last thing on a positive note. On a positive note, let's talk about the first line, okay? Because it's been fantastic. It's been great. Uh, no points last night, but 14 shots, 14 combined shots. Let's start with a guy that I feel like got very pigeonholed by, well, he's part of the grief line. He's just a grinder. He's 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 a grinder. He can score, but he's a grinder. You can't move him off. The, you know, Dino, never. Like he, he's a grinder. He's on the mice. All right. Jules Eriksson, what, 28 goals now? Mm-hmm. On this line has been unbelievable. He makes the line go. Boldy, tons of credit as well. Kaprizov's just special. We know that. But Jesse, Eric Sinek, who who is a guy who, what, four years ago, five years back, you know, we all said, how could you not take Brock Besser, Chuck Fletcher? You idiot, you moron. This guy, um, this guy is an agitator, heck is, but he's more than that. He is a flat-out talented player. I do think that that first line, which finally got put together, does deserve a top raise. Oh my gosh, it's it's been so much fun to watch. They've made these games fun to watch, right? Yeah. And and I think Jewel Eriksson, his body size and just kind of his demeanor probably makes you think that he is just that grinder, right? He's just this big kind of like, oh, I don't know, and he gives you that look with the face that people want to punch, and <laughs> it's just kind of easy to pigeonhole him there. But you're right. I mean, I trust him in every situation on the ice, and you know, you started to see that last year. Obviously, going back to when you lose him, what an impact that made negatively on the team, right? You recognized his yeah. importance then, but his values really shone through. And it's funny because I still go back. I never saw him with Kaprizov and Boldy, right? It was just very hard to envision because I probably uh, mistakenly identified him as just this big dude, and it's been so fun to watch. It's nice to see that I think he's helped Boldy come into his own. We had talked about before how Boldy maybe relied solely on just his skill and not as much on the physical presence. And you've seen a more physical presence from Matt Boldy, which I think he needed to do because he's another big guy out there. And Kirill has just come into his own. Bummed to see the eight-point, uh, eight-game point streak come to an end for him. But I imagine that'll be a quick bounce back because he's had uh, a tremendous year. I, I do think maybe we underestimated the severity of that injury that was nagging him because he's finally come back into his own, and it's it's good to see that he's probably 110% healthier than he was to start the year. So love that top line. Chef's kiss. Don't change a thing. Yeah, it feels like just uh, Eck and Besser are probably just going to be linked for their entire NHL careers, especially from Minnesota sports fans, because yeah, at first it was, what, are you, what the hell are you doing? So then, it, then it came to the point where Eck obviously clearly jumped Besser, Besser had a lot of things going on off the ice, and now here he is kind of popping back up and being the goal scorer he first showed he was. So I think both these teams benefited. You know, I don't think it's one team ended up winning this trade bigger than the other. I think both these guys are really good hockey players. Both teams are lucky to have luck, uh, have lo- uh, locked these guys up long term. Um, but I, I think Eck being a center and the fans always wanting a wild find a center, well, they found one in Joel Erickson Eck. And yeah, he's a pain in the ass. You want to punch him in the face. I know the feeling. Uh, but... He's uh he's he's a pretty damn good player and integral to the wild success. And Jesse, do not blame yourself. Dean gaslit you. 
he gaslit you by basically saying, well, he's got to play on this. The grief line with Felino. Look at how much better Felino is. It's like it's that no, lumbering guy. body of and his. And by the way, you don't have a center. You don't. You didn't have a center. That's what drove me crazy. Eck yeah. would be ideally a two, with mm-hmm. you know, let's say you have Jack Hughes, but you don't have Jack Hughes. All right, you guys, great stuff. Uh, talk to you next week, two days, two days before the NHL trade deadline. We'll see you later on Judd's Hockey Show.